Welcome in Memphis Grizzly fans and NBA fans all around. This is Elijah Campbell and you are listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome into the Grizz and Grind podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Elijah Campbell. As always, back from a little bit of a hiatus, taking a little basket break here, if you will, the NBA offseason. But it's time to dive right back in. We already know when the NBA season is going to start, December 22nd. A pretty quick turnaround here um, for situation teams like the Lakers in the playoffs, uh, or the champion Lakers and the Miami Heat that played in the finals, teams that made it in the playoffs a little bit. And uh, even including the Memphis Grizzlies, who made it as far as uh, as far as September almost. And here joining me today to talk about the big question that I have going into the season for the Memphis Grizzlies is where they will stand in the Western Conference hierarchy. Here today to talk about that with me is one Alex Love, longtime friend, longtime partner here. Um, we've done many a podcast together. Now we've officially. Uh, are able to uh, to join the Grizz and Grind podcast. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, good, good, feeling good, man. Uh, just uh, ready to ready for the season to kick off. Eager already was eager from the minute that the Lakers took it home. Yeah, say so lifelong, uh, lifelong. We 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 we've been Laker fans most of our lives, and uh, being in Tennessee, we also keep up with the Grizzlies, and almost we're able to see them play in a playoff series. Although it would have been pretty exciting, but we didn't necessarily get that one to to come true but lots of lots of grizzly games enjoyed by your boy in about 2008 rudy gay era tsn oh is that would you say that's your favorite favorite uh grizzlies era that was definitely like one of the that was like my intro to grizz nation okay uh like right at the end of pow and then once see that was mine. Mine was Pal. I was Pal. Pal was a star. He's my fa- my favorite Grizzly of all time. If I had to pick one, it's Pal Gasol. Pal Gasol is also one of my ten favorite NBA players of all time. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about Pal Gasol ever, or Marcus Gasol, the Gasol brothers in general. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about either of those guys. And I don't know if you can find many people that do have anything bad to say about those guys. Mm-mm. Two legends. Uh, definitely Memphis uh, mm-hmm. hanging jerseys on the rafters. It's Pals already. I don't even. Know. I don't think now. No, that should down the line along him and Mark. I uh, think definitely should. And speaking of those old Pal Gasol teams, I don't know if you've seen the retro jerseys that the Grizzlies are going to employ this year. And honestly, the biggest headline of the offseason so far for the Grizzlies are the, uh, the throwback black jerseys they used to wear back when they played in the artist formerly known as the Pyramid. 
in Memphis, right when they played in the Pyramid, which is now a Bass Pro Shop. Whenever I see that jersey, I imagine I see Jason Williams. I do too. Stromile Swift for me. I I see some Stromile Swift, Shane Battier, a little bit, maybe Bonzi Wells. Oh, Bonzi Wells played for them. That there jersey. was a there was some those are those are good. It's a good look. I'm glad they brought it back. You know, I, I want to see that and the Vancouver one too. They knocked it out of the park with that. I mean, the Grizzlies have had good uniforms. Like it's just now, now is kind of the ones that are kind of the most plain looking. To be honest, I think so. Yeah, the primary home ones now and the primary road ones, and they're still nice. I, oh, yeah. I still really love those. You know. Yeah, they're they're in the top half of the NBA in jerseys. They always have that. They've never had one that I was like, those are gross. And I, I love to be that guy, whether it be on Twitter or in person, that is just the ultimate uniform police. A beautiful, glistening Tony Allen light blues with just a bit of yellow at the, um, at, the at the end of the V there. So, okay, yeah, I know you're, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I was, and I'm excited to see the ones that they have right now, yeah. um, for sure. These new ones, uh, it's, it's an excellent nod. To that old throwback, and, and, and the whole league looks like they're doing some sort of you know, throwbacks of some sort, and I, I love to see it. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see that and see specifically how they match up in the Western Conference. And obviously, this year they got close, they got into that play in game, or I guess that little makeshift series that they, they the deal they did in Orlando in the bubble with the Blazers. Oh, I mean, and play almost pushed them in that first game, they pushed them in that first game, and, and probably should have won it. Um, thinking back on it, but that makes me think, and it's made me think all offseason, is where are they going to fit in the hierarchy of the Western Conference whenever the shakeup eventually happens? Now, we haven't had free agency yet, so that's still a whole other conversation that we're going to have to revisit. But for right now, the question of the Western Conference, because it's going to be loaded again. The Grizzlies are going to come back pretty strong. The Suns had played their best basketball at the end of the year last year on an eight-game winning streak in the bubble to almost mess around and make the playoffs. And then the Spurs hung around until the last day of the regular season. Um, the Blazers made that run. They were hurt all year long, and they made their run to squeak in as the eight seed and was one of the more impressive eight seeds. I mean, an eight seed that has Damian Lillard as the point guard is a pretty damn impressive eight seed. Um, I don't care who, what other what conference you're playing in. And, oh, yeah, the Golden State Warriors, those guys are going to be healthy next year. A healthy Steph Curry, a healthy Klay Thompson, a healthy Draymond Green, and the number two overall pick in this year's draft, which I don't think is that impressive this year than it would be any other year. But it's still a, it's still a lottery pick. They're going to have their pick of the litter of anybody in this college class. And really, in that system, there are a couple of guys at the top they could pick that can make that team a lot better than what it is your initial thought, where would you place the Grizzlies initially? Just the, it's, it's your initial thought of where they are in the hierarchy of the Western Conference right now. Given that the Warriors are going to be healthy, you don't know what's going to happen with the Spurs. You don't know what's going to happen with the Rockets either. That's a real, that's a wild card ever since uh, D'Antoni left, ever since yeah, they uh, can Mori. No yeah, no more Mori really ball. Not. They're going to have to blow it up because that team was geared specifically for the style of play that D'Antoni wanted to run and the analytical approach that Daryl Morey had. I mean, depending on what they do, they could blow it up as well. I mean, when you first think about it, do the Grizzlies strike you as a playoff team next year? I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of things to unpack there with the with this team. There they definitely exhibit some of the things I feel like like playoff teams have. I mean, 
John Morant, I think, you know, you can make an argument that he, you know, coming into his second year, I mean, he was a rookie, I mean, but he was playing like a veteran, you know, could be end up a top 10 player in his position. Uh, you know, the culture, like, around teams has to be good, and they are building something awesome. Like, you know, they, uh, you, you know, even with the guys, you know, they had Iguodala on the roster, they had Jay Crowder last year, they trimmed it, they trimmed it, and it was gone. They went with the youth movement. What they got, you know, a few solid veterans, Valanciunas, you know, and some guys. Uh, but, you know, so they have a great culture. They have, you know, a, a great player. Uh, the, you know, coaching's coming into it. Um, they've had a few guys, you know, it feels like over the years since, uh, even since Yeager, Dave Yeager. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they've they seen a fi- find an identity. But The future's incredibly bright. Yeah, and, that, they, and that's one thing I, I like that you mentioned that. Because that's another thing that I think that teams that are rebuilding haven't done a great job of doing. That's building an identity. I mean, there are certain teams that have been in rebuilds for half a decade now, like the New York Knicks. What's their identity? Stinking it up every year and just hoping and praying that a big name free agent eventually signs with you. And instead of you know landing your draft picks, creating an identity of style play that you can draft for instead of just taking what you perceive to be as quote the best player available. It's how you end up with Kevin Knox and him not developing over the last couple of years. Amen. That's how you take R.J. Barrett and him not develop, develop at all in that first year. And your team looks the exact same as it did the last couple of years. And you're just in the worst spot in the NBA because you're not, I guess, bad enough to get number one picks. You're, you're not lucky enough in the lottery. But you also have no building blocks to go off of. Yeah, hey, make no mistakes. The Grizzlies are not going to be making any kind of huge splash in free agency. We'll see That's, what, yeah, what's not available thing. and everything. We'll see what they can do with that second round pick in the draft. Part of being a small market. Yeah, small market. It is what it is. But, I mean... Damned if if I'm I'm not a player thinking man going and playing with Jaron Jackson Brandon Clark and John Morant sounds pretty cool because that's an awesome starting block like that that's great yeah those are guys that's that an are, excellent foundation and yeah to grow together and you know this I don't, I don't know there's you know the the headlining free agents of this class aren't very big to begin with I mean the biggest one is Anthony Davis but we're assuming he's gonna be I think that's a pretty safe assumption. But, you know, there's guys trying to get out. You know, we're hearing Russell disgruntled again. And you know, it's not like a guy like him's going to end up, you know, in Memphis. He's not going to, you know. Yeah. You know, it would require a trade. And I a think it would require. Would great. Uh, a jump, That's what they need. Yeah, that's a, that's jump a, shot. a big need for them. A jump shot adjustment for a few guys. <clears throat> Dylan Brooks specifically would be sweet. And I would be able to keep one of those guys in the pocket hitting threes. But they. The, the Grizzlies are on to something, but another big thing with that is the Western Conference, like you said. The Golden State Warriors are going to be back. Who knows, maybe even bigger than ever. Um, they took the year off. They got the number two pick. We'll see what that turns into. Mm-hmm. But you have teams like that coming back. Um, the Blazers season last year was really kind of a something we haven't seen in a long time about like a Damian Lillard. That was really the first bad Damian Lillard team we've seen, at least for the first half of the season. Because they were just so banged up. You didn't have Nurkic all year long. You lost Rodney Hood relatively early. Zach Collins missed a lot of time early. And that's part of their identity. Yeah, guys their like Gary Trent had to step up, and he, and he did. And it t- took them a while. And that's why that's just how they got in that hole. You know, to where they had to just play lights out at the Mello. back end of the, the regular season in the bubble. Melo started playing decent basketball. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we saw what they did. So, uh, if that's the team that the Grizzlies are going to be fighting for, for the eighth seed for a few years, uh, that's going to be tough. And they're going to need a lot. But um, I, I can't imagine o- OKC really 
capitalizing. I can see him switching, yeah, you know, with uh, a team. I mean, Chris Paul's on the trading block. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, I mean, there there are the reports that they can uh, <clears throat> trade him to Phoenix, which I find bizarre. I don't I see anything be. that Phoenix has that Oklahoma City is probably just dying for. Eh, maybe some young <laughs> prospects and uh, and some picks. I I think I think you know Booker and Mikael Bridges and eight. Yeah, I like I like Bridges a lot. They kind of <laughs> seem untouchable right now, but. Uh, there's a few. I mean, trade Rubio maybe that, in the ninth pick. I was looking. I was you know saw something some speculation about you know maybe Rubio and Kelly Oubre freeing up some tenth. Yeah, that's fourteen million on Oubre, you know, off the books and everything, trying to you know absorb because it's a forty-one million dollar contract Chris Paul's carrying around. It's still pretty big. Yeah, but he's but the thing is, is he's still getting interest and he's still and he's still playing really well. He was yeah. All NBA last year. Yeah, he's a great player and and okay, so he was the. Five seed and they yeah were, impressively yeah they were <laughs> what that's one of the more impressive Chris Paul seasons I've ever seen and I'm a you know I'm a, a Russell Westbrook guy but like me thinking oh well Russell's gone now all those guys are gone from OKC and they replace them with you know Chris Paul who's older Danilo Gallinari Paul you know dominant point guard still mm-hmm. and uh, it worked for him and uh, you know R.I.P. Billy Donovan it's fine. That one's weird. That one's really weird. Him especially now, booted from there. Especially now. I, it felt like he had something good, you know, going with him. Shout out Billy Donovan. Uh, Chicago got, Bulls. Yeah, I got the Bulls job last season. Got the <clears throat> court at the University of Florida named after him. Well, it should be. As it should be. And, uh, you know, wish nothing best for him. I, yeah, I, like, I like the Grizzlies over the Thunder this year. I feel like they yeah. should be a better team, especially yeah, if Chris Paul doesn't come out, come back. So that helps. I mean, that's that leapfrogs the Grizzlies ahead of somebody um, that was that finished ahead of them last year. The Rockets, the Rockets too, definitely could take a tumble. That's just a really big question that. mark. What are you doing with Westbrook? And if you deal Westbrook, do you have to deal Harden too? I mean, Harden says he's content with staying, but like obviously, what he's some players it. say, he's seen it all. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, the dude's been through it all. He played for a super team when he was young, mm-hmm. then he went and became the man. Absorbed some other like stars along the way. Some of them liked him, some of them didn't. Some of them liked the coach, some of them didn't. They all end up leaving, and he's still around. a weird dynamic. It's crazy there. to think that he's entering. It would be entering what his eighth season as a Rocket or seventh. It's one of the, uh, the trade was made yeah in twenty twelve, yeah, I believe. So this would be going into his eighth season as a Rocket, almost a whole decade. That's crazy, and I. I yeah, 2012. And depending if he like, imagine if they they blow it up. Just say they absolutely blow it up. They'd get all the assets they can for Harden and Westbrook. Um, which I don't. I, I think Westbrook they'll probably trade. And if I'm the Rockets, I do trade Westbrook. And I and I think there's I think there's value for us. I I know I'm biased and stuff. And and you know he's not the best shooter, which but today's game. But he is a hundred percent. Um, you know, worth some capital. You don't want to. You don't want to sell the farm. For him, because guess who right. was making forty-one million dollars? Russell also. Yeah, making a whole lot of money. So those are two of the highest-paid players in the league, and they're both point guards that are potentially on the trade block. So, you know, uh, that's one thing that the Grizzlies seem to have that they can bank on for a few years now. Having Jaw, mm-hmm. Jaw is uh, unreal. Uh, having your point guard—that's the big thing, though. I mean, having that one point guard that you—that's our young. Doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. I only played two years at Murray State. High basketball IQ, as well as Jaron, who can you know, run the floor as a four. Like he's not LeBron James point four. He can spot up. He's a good passer. He can shoot. An he, excellent shooter. You know, once the Grizzlies, uh, they have an identity. The grit, you know, the grit and grind. You know, this one just feels new though. 
It feels fresh. It feels more modern NBA. High pace, I mean, up tempo. It's not the, the Tony Allen, Zebo. Not your grandfather's Grizzlies. Of, yeah. Uh, their beating uh, one seed days. Oh, yeah. Two seed. That was one. Yeah, they beat, beat a one seed San Antonio team. I think that won, won like 60 games. But, and honestly, I think if, if say, Houston does blow it up, whatever's going to happen, they're like, Memphis can be competitive with them for sure. Because they're going to have to change their entire identity. Because it's not going to be the same. That's going to take a while to uh, to work out. I think they're going to be able to at least kill off to a hot, hot start. Because like December 22nd, season ended a month ago. And we have a little bit over a month until the season now. A very short offseason. You're probably not going to see the Lakers play a lot of their guys for the early part of the year. We're probably none of the bubble guys. The Nuggets might. Late. I mean, the Nuggets, their start players are a little younger. So it doesn't matter. I mean. Like, we don't know what's going to go on in the, the, know, the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers load manage an 82-game regular season anyway, so there's no telling what they're going to do. No telling what they're going to do. They should have no excuse. They should be they should be ready now, and they should understand what they have to do now after under, after after what happened. I, mm-hmm. I, I, one thing, though, about, about the Grizzlies is that, you know, what could be their ceiling this season? You know, I, I mean, I could see them playing up to the talent of teams like the Utah Jazz, and you know, mm-hmm. especially if whatever. they lose some key role players during the offseason too, and the yeah, Grizzlies can pick up happens. one or two. It, it's interesting to see their, you know, what their priorities like through free agency because I mean they're going to sign somebody, but small market, not a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, but they but they've been done a great job of building, and I feel like it's going to attract somebody. It might not be a top tier free agent by any means. Oh, imagine if they get a Davis Bertans. But people are gonna want to. Yeah, people are gonna want to come play with this young, like nucleus of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of a team, and 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 yeah, and I think that you know they deserve it. They they're they're on the up. I feel like they're on the up. You want to take a guess as to who the Grizzlies' highest paid player is? Mm, highest paid player. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be either Valanciunas. It's not Valanciunas. It is not Valanciunas. Valanciunas, I think, is number two. It's somebody. It's somebody random that doesn't play. I think you are on the right track. I, I can't think of who it is though. He may or may not be a vacated national champion in college basketball. Oh, you know this. Wait a minute. I don't know. You would be you, the one. The name national champion yep. in basketball. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's Joakim Noah. <laughs> no, wait, he plays for the Clippers. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, not. It's not. It's, it's not Joakim Noah. Oh, Memphis. No. They didn't win the title. Oh, they didn't. No. I'm I'm blanking. This team Brewer. beat Michigan in the 2013 oh, National yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, Lou Aldang. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Gorgie Jang, yeah. <laughs> Lou Aldang. Yeah. I think we were thinking, though, the last Gorgie name is very Jang. similar. Yeah, the last name is very similar. Former... Uh, Luol Deng definitely is might be the highest paid player on some team right now because he had that fat contract and then just robbed a franchise blind, aka the Los Angeles Lakers, before picking LeBron back up. See, I, I was mixed up in that. I, but shout out, shout out, Gorgie Jang. Gorgie shout Jang. Shout out, Flip Saunders. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. former collaborator. <laughs> former Gorgie Jang collaborator. But that guy is the lead, is the highest paid player on the Memphis Grizzlies. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Grizz and Grind with Elijah Campbell. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, 
Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other team-focused NBA pods. Cavalier Central, the 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast, Nuck If You Buck, Blazing the Path, and Hashtag Lakers. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring some of the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. That's where the Grizzlies come in, is they're still one of those teams around the league that you don't have a star player because, I mean, well, they have a star player, but they don't have the star players making that money. Right. They have their young guys are, are the clear cut, the best thing they've got going for their product mm-hmm. on the floor every night. So they're, they are still one of those teams, like, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to think of the top of my head, like the Kings that are paying Harrison Barnes out. Oh, and, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, well, what, they, they overpay they for guys like that. They they have to overpay to get guys who might just be good role players somewhere. Like Harrison Barnes is the perfect okay, role player. Okay, Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's making like $31 million yeah. last season. Or was it 38 It was something insane. I was looking at the other day. Yeah, and it's not like – and unfortunately, the Grizzlies don't, from the looks of it, don't have a bunch of cap space. I mean, they're going to have to to shed some of this. I mean – you're paying Gorgie. They're, they're paying Gorgie Jang seventeen million right now. Uh, Justice Winslow has thirteen million. That, I mean, explain that one. Like, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. But there will be his. a day. There will be a day where where Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, and Jaw all get the bag, and there will be new young guys that will be trying to be good. Which of course, I mean, this team was in such bad cap shape before. They invested in, in, in the new regime came in. Not old, but I mean, it definitely experienced, if you want to call it that. That team was one of the older teams in the NBA for, mm-hmm. for a while. They had to get younger. That's one thing. They definitely had. They, younger. They, they, ha- they had to get younger. And quite frankly, now they got to get a little wiser. They got younger. You got to get a little wiser. You got to get some of this bad money off off the books right now. Well, you never want to count any chickens before they hatch, but that 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 kind of period for them has been pretty seamless so far i mean they were they were bad but Mm -hmm. you know after those zebo teams and everything now you know mark's gone and uh, all that this is a brand new grizzlies team and i mean just in a few years they i mean they fought for a playoff spot what more could you ask from the grizzlies as of late yeah and and here's and here's the thing too is that chris wallace the old gm i think really put them in a bad Bad contract situation. Hired Jaeger. Uh, hired and, and fired. fired. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't one hundred percent on board. I guess with the Jaeger firing or the Lionel Hollins firing. Um, the Grizzlies. The thing with the Grizzlies too is stability. They just haven't had stability at the head coaching uh, spot for a while. I thought Bickerstaff was was doing all the the leash on Fizdale was too short in my opinion. Yeah. I thought the. I mean, they fired Lionel Hollins after one of their more successful seasons, and that's and that's just kind of been where they, where they're at. Shout out world champion Lakers, Lionel Hollins. That is true. Lionel Hollins got him a ring. But the kind of guy, the coach now, Taylor Jenkins, love. I, oh, that yeah. was an incredible hire. You, now you just got to keep him. Talk about the youth, like the, like, or, the, you know, somebody getting a, getting a shot, you know, to like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a new team playing a new brand of basketball. I'm going to be a new coach. This is, you know, and that's the kind of, it, it's coming together for a young team like this. I want to, I want to think that the same thing 
you know, would be happening for the Hawks on the eastern east side. Kind of that, you know, young up and coming, almost like a renaissance. That's what it feels like. With like, it's a complete like with the team. Like the Grizzlies like that no. has completely like turned over what we know of them just just a short time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's credit to Zach Kleiman too, uh, the new uh, GM over there with the Grizzlies. Because here's the thing: when you're building a team, especially in the Western Conference, like what does every great Western Conference team have? You have a superstar, or sometimes two. Like it, even like the Trailblazers case, they're the eight seed, and CJ McCollum might not be a superstar per se, star. but he is a good complementary star-ish player to put with Damian Lillard. I mean, you got to have a couple players that are like basic building blocks to be kind of your star players. Stability at the head coaching position. I mean, unless the team's coached by or uh, has LeBron James, almost it really does matter who the coach is. The Lakers could afford to hire Frank Vogel without him being there for a while because LeBron James is on the team. Duh, that's just going to happen. But for the Nuggets, the team they played in the Western Conference Finals, Mike Malone had to be there for a couple of years to establish his style and have that continuity of having your Jokic and Murray be there for a couple of years and build something. They had to build something. That's one of the reasons why I think the Clippers really kind of fell apart. They didn't build anything. You could tell the team chemistry wasn't 100% there the continuity that they didn't achieve during the regular season because of some of the load management stuff really bit them in the rear with a bunch of guys being able to miss. I know with um, with Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, some of the time they missed in the bubble wasn't all their fault, and I don't want to completely blame them for that. But some of, some of the time, some of it was, yeah, some of it was, some of it wasn't. But the, uh, the time they missed, I thought was crucial to them becoming a cohesive unit at the right time. And some of the Lakers were able to were able to achieve at a, a little better pace. And it's having that continuity is huge when winning, you know, playoffs. And winning in the Western Conference specifically, I think that it really is why the Clippers flamed out a little bit. But your other great teams in the Western Conference, I mean, even the the Rockets before Westbrook even had that continuity with having the star and James Harden, having a an established style of play and a coach who is great at establishing it and has been there for a while to create that familiarity to where they became the best team not named the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference for like three straight years, which is incredibly hard to do an impressive feat regardless of whether you make the NBA Finals or not. They just ran into a buzzsaw all three of those years. Mm. You need that to become, and, and when the Warriors created their dynasty, how did it start? You got the right coach. I mean, they kind of got, they got lucky in terms of the right coach is able to fit in the pieces that Mark Jackson didn't to become a dynasty, but you had your players there. You had your Steph Curry and your Clay Thompson that were your star players that you drafted and that you had there, your, your building blocks, I should say. And then you filled in the uh, appropriate role players around them and with the coach. I think with the Grizzlies, the coach, you can check that off. Taylor Jenkins, incredible. I thought he should have had more votes for coach of the year than he did. I understand why Billy Donovan won. Probably would have given it to him too. But Taylor Jenkins was one of the top five, six coaches in basketball this year. And got fired. And Billy Donovan, yeah, that. Only in the NBA, I feel like, does that happen. I think that happened to Wayne Casey, too, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, coach of the year and then got canned. Yeah, that, that's a, a totally only NBA kind of thing. It's a, a uniquely NBA thing, I feel like. You know, Swing you were, coach of the year and get about, canned. You were, you were talking about the Nuggets. And, you know, and it's not out of the realm of possibility for this Grizzlies team, once they have a few years under their belt, like Jamal Murray and Jokic and, you know, some of those guys, to like to, to be a team like that, that is a threatening team in the Western Conference. And, uh, you know, this is what they the Nuggets finished second this year. I don't know. Yeah, I think they finished second. Yeah. No, 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 third. Third. Yeah, but they were the two seed last season. 
Yeah. And uh, so, you know, and, and, you know. And we're a game seven away from going to the Western Conference Finals. And it feels like the Grizzlies could be one of those teams 100%. But, uh, you know, their depth in, in certain ways, you know, in certain ways because there are certain names, especially yeah. with us, like, you know, guys like Justice Winslow and stuff. We're like, oh, they're so deep. You know, we watched them play in college and, and all this. They played high-profile college basketball, but yeah. a lot of those guys that the Grizzlies have, it's like the Island of Misfit Toys. Like, for some of them, you got their young nucleus, and mm-hmm. you have these other guys filling in. They're making their way. Dion Waiters, see you later. Jay Crowder, see you later. Uh, they were just taking on other people's cap loads, you know. You know 100%. And you know, in one door out the other, you know, for some of those guys. And, and, and when they get some of those guys to stick and, you know, you can find that say for the Nuggets, like that Paul Mills after, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of presence, which, uh, you know, Valanciunas did a pretty good job this year. Incredible. Yeah. I, pretty good. One of his better, yeah, I guess more reliable seasons. I mean, yeah. he is, he has become a, probably the most reliable rebounder they have, uh, a, a stalwart defensive presence, which is something that a lot of times this year they really didn't have. And a veteran, like some veteran leadership. I mean, obviously the best players on this team are younger than us. We are both 25 years old. They are all, all their best players are younger than us. You got to have, I, I don't want to say a job around, uh, Jaron Jackson and all those guys aren't adults, but you got to have an adult in the room. You know what I'm saying? A guy who's been there for a while, who's a little older and Valanciunas as uh, a teammate, I feel like was a, is a good adult in the room kind of player for those young guys because Valanciunas has played a lot of playoff basketball. He's played a lot of meaningful basketball, and he's lost a lot of meaningful basketball. He's earned lost some lessons. Lost a lot of games of LeBron James in the playoffs. That's right. He's part of the LeBronto Raptors, and he's learned – I mean, you learn a lot of lessons doing that in the NBA. So I feel like his role not only was good in terms of the value he brought on paper, but it was necessary to um, to this team considering what he brought in the the things you can't, I guess, right on the uh, – the non-tangible stuffs. But one thing I, I think I just talked myself into is comparing this team to the Nuggets before the Nuggets got to where they are right now. Because remember, before the Nuggets made this climb and before Nikola Jokic made that ridiculous leap from being a solid center on the rise to being the best passing big man to ever play in this game, the Nuggets were a team that was the nine seed, that was tied with the eight, had to play in a playoff game or a playing game with the Minnesota Timberwolves led by one Jimmy Butler to get into the playoffs and didn't win. They are in the exact same position. I think that was what, 2016, 2017? Talking about the, the, the Joffrey Laverne Nuggets. Yes, the Joffrey Laverne Nuggets. That's a name I have not heard in years. So that is gold right there. Yeah, but yeah, that's the Joffrey Laverne <laughs> Nuggets. He, he he did collaborate with that Denver team, but that team was in the same situation now. You had seventy seven on a jersey, and oh, ugly, ugly. It's almost bad. It's twenty seven. Sorry, Jamal Murray. I was getting ready to tell that to Luca. I mean, I still don't like it. I still think it looks a little goofy. I mean, I guess if you're a prodigy. That's uh, an MVP candidate at the age Joffrey of 20, Laverne, 21 years old. Right. It's not cool if you're Joffrey Laverne. Yeah. I, one guy pulls it off better because he's a little better at basketball than Joffrey Laverne. That's fair. I think, yeah, a, a fair statement. But which one had the man bun? Checkmate. Thank Luka. you. Checkmate. But speaking of weird basketball numbers, too, like, I think that's before the Nuggets were able to draft Jamal Murray. But we didn't think Jamal Murray would be, a, like, a, a star the way he is. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't, I guess, foresee him putting up the numbers he did in the playoffs this year when he first got drafted. I thought he'd be solid. He wouldn't be this, though, which give, should give you hope for the Grizzlies because kind of the same way for Brandon Clark. They drafted in similar ranges. 
I also only I only believe in Kentucky big men. I don't really believe in Kentucky guards. It's, it doesn't always seem to let me down. Really? John Wall, Eric Bledsoe. John Wall's part of a solid <laughs> career. And not not been great no, lately. Guys, no, but Anthony Davis, Boogie, Bam, you know, run it. And, and Jamal Martin might be one of the better better ones Jamal of all of them with how he's had. One of the best guards. And the Nuggets are really good at player development. He gets a lot better because he wasn't able to – he wasn't doing a lot of that stuff at Kentucky. He was a great spot-up shooter. He was like – exactly. He was a spot-up shooter. And I don't think he was a pick-and-roll maestro like he was at Kentucky. He, that he wasn't was a part of his game. He was popping, and he was definitely yeah. not shooting volume like that. He was uh, – It's something that took development, and Mike Malone was really? great at developing – that kind of skill for Jamal Murray. And he also turned into a point guard. He definitely yeah. had played that two spot. You mm-hmm. know, and, uh, At Kentucky, definitely he's, played He's it. a point, and he's a true point guard, too. He's a he's a ball. Maybe he can pass. He can rebound at the position. Like, he's he's uh, Jamal Murray, and also was a very young kid. I think he just turned, like, 20-something. I mean, yeah, he, he really, he, he is young. not, yeah, he is not, um, not long in the tooth at all. But and that and that's one thing that if you're a Grizzlies fan that you should be really encouraged about because you think about what the ceiling of this team is and then you're like oh shoot we're in the Western Conference we got to face the Warriors every year we got to play uh, the Lakers the Clippers every year oh, the Nuggets gonna, the Rockets you're gonna take your lumps you're gonna take your lumps but the Nuggets should be an example of what you can be if the coach the coaching position is stable which I think it's going to be I think you can check mark that box with Taylor Jenkins you have two steady star players that play different positions. They can complement each other. I think Jaron Jackson and John Moran are those perfect two that complement each other perfectly. Surround them with good role players. Drafting Brandon Clark was one of the best things they could have done because he was the best available role player in that draft last year. And I think it still despicably fell to 18. And that also goes to show that as smart as some NBA GMs are, they're equally as stupid for letting him drop that far and taking other guys before him. They could be a team because of that. I mean, the, the Memphis Grizzlies formula that they're working in right now is similar to what the Denver Nuggets did before they made the leap from nine seed with playoff ambition that got one game away from playing in the NBA playoffs to being a contender. And of course, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, the Nuggets didn't win anything in the playoffs till this past year. But yes, I mean, there's still two, three seeds in the Western Conference, which is the toughest conference in sports. The last Lakers, couple of years. The Lakers 5-1 all three Western Conference opponents on their way. Ran into a bus saw. But what the Nuggets did was incredible. Nuggets played two game sevens. They came back from two 3-1 deficits. Ugh. Which is pretty remarkable Talk in about itself. grit and grind. See, that's the kind of stuff the Grizzlies need to be getting on. And they could. And they very well could. Yep. And they should. And they're doing the right things to do it right now. Let's keep our fingers crossed that they continue to do so. The future is bright. Find some way to get Davis Bertans this offseason. And now we're talking. I want that guy really bad. I really want the Grizzlies to snack him. Get that shooter, the Latvian laser baby. We'll get to that. $17 million. Whenever we, uh, whenever we break into the free agency episode, we get to really dive into that. And I can have my Davis Bertans love fest. But Alex, appreciate you coming on with me. Excited to have you on in the future as well. Talk some Grizzlies hoops. Nice to have some NBA talk about it. I missed it. Nice to get it back underneath my uh, my belt. Nice to come out of that small hiatus. And we're December 22nd, man, just a smidgen over a month away. We're getting there. So I'm excited. This is good stuff. But this has been Alex Love from the Clubhouse Podcast Network. You I was going to say, I was, yeah, throwing you the alley-oop there. 
But uh, where can we find you on Twitter? For anyone that's listening to this that hasn't heard any of our previous work, where can they find you? Uh, on the interwebs. Oh man, on the spot. Okay. Uh, if you you can follow me on Twitter at uh, club pod club pod underscore ac. Um, you know, and in that you'll in the bio to that you'll find the um, link to our other page for uh, the Clubhouse Sports Network. And, uh, just some just some light reporting there. You know, just doing it for the boys. Doing it for the boys. Uh, Tattoo that on yeah, my chest. You can you can yeah, you can find me there. But uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it again sometime. And uh, you're not going to tell them they can find you on Facebook or uh, not Facebook, MySpace. Oh, yeah. I, think, I don't know if those exist anymore. I think they can make it into my top eight friends <laughs> on MySpace. Put you right next to Tom. <laughs> awesome. That was great. Alex, we'll have you on again. Can't wait to do this another time. Talk some NBA free agency. But for now, I'm Elijah Campbell. And thank you for listening to the Grizz in Grind podcast here on the Hoop Heads podcast network if you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start the team at my podcast manager can help our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best we'll help you launch your podcast make it sound great and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting if you're ready to put your podcast editing production and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast here on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. This is Elijah Campbell saying so long, and we hope to have you back again soon for more of the best Grizzlies talk east of the Mississippi. We'll see you around.